Welcome everyone to the Cloak and Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me is the guy who always demands to be driven by Detective O'Reilly. Not an ambulance, it's Pete. Hello, Pete. It's always nice to see a local boy done good. The Cloak and Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 209, Blue Note, is brought to you by Club Delight. You can't burn down cool jazz. Pete, this is an episode. Good news, the ratings ticked up from last week's series low so this back more in the range of still a lower rated episode with 324,000 live viewers but uh going up is always better than going down freeform not exactly a major network and these good enough ratings to keep the show coming back matt i will imagine we will see sometime this week possibly uh you know right around the finale a third season renewal. I know compared to some of the other freeform shows, it is on the lower end, but Disney owned channel, Disney owned property. You have to think the home field advantage there does indicate a, a third season, but Pete, we will talk that news when it breaks. Take us to the recap. 96 months ago, Andre drops the needle on vinyl to record his set where he intends to hit an elusive blue note and attain jazz immortality. His bandmate, however, tries to tell him they should end the song like they normally do. If they mess this up, they're not going to be invited back. On stage, Andre hits the blue note, but drops his trumpet in pain. Now, he eyes the door with the vivet on it in the record store, and a bin appears for Melissa Bowen. Ty draws a red vivet, but can't track Andre that way, despite being able to use it to find Tandy and Connors. Ty has an idea how to track him, but can't bring Tandy. She'll run down some leads of her own. He teleports out, and Tandy leaves a voicemail apologizing to her mother. She's also texted Michaela. Mayhem told her to stay out of this and she'll only slow her down. She allows Tandy to tag along on a lead. The police pulled almost a dozen girls out of Viking Motel. A few were booked on previous warrants. The rest released, but but they vanished. While it's common for victims to go back to their abusers, this is strange. The arrested girls have gone mad, humming the same notes. The cops have found Leah Dewan with no purse or wallet. Mayhem and Tandy put her in the police car to spare her the ordeal of an ambulance. Leah hums in the back seat. 92 months ago, a disheveled Andre leaves something behind on the streets. Now, Ty's mother answers a call from him made on a burner phone as he tracks Solomon. He asks her about Connors, and she's evasive as she burns blood-soaked newspaper, which Ty witnesses after he teleports outside the house. At the church, Tandy touches Leah and sees that her hope is MIA. She tells Mayhem and summons a light dagger to put Leah out of her misery, but Mayhem stops her. 
Tandy calls Ty. Ty visits an innocent Solomon, and they bond over Luke Cage, who you may have heard about as well. He's bulletproof and looks just like them. Solomon, however, never learned to read. Luke Cage in Harlem Rumble by Karen Page. Ty needs Solomon's help. He needs him to tell Money Hustle and Uptown Block he wants to meet. 92 months ago, Andre falls from a height when the Roxxon rig blows. 92 months ago, Andre comes to in Church of All Saints Hospital as medical student Leah looks on. She tells him he's going to miraculously recover considering his fall. His head hurts, but not from the accident. People along the river reported he jumped. He explains he lost his music when his migraine started. She touches him and he's transported to an empty record store. The door with the vivet is there and locked. Andre finds a record for Avendalia Dewan, plays it and exhales. Now Ty teleports to the church. Tandy explains mayhem is both Bridget's and how Leah is kinda alive. She also tells him there's a door and it might be the best way to find Andre. They take Leah's hands and enter the darkness left behind after Andre drains his victims. They open the door and are transported to when Andre recruited Leah away from medicine. Tandy and Ty have to keep going down. They find young Leah playing a cello for her parents and some listeners. Tandy asks to borrow her sheet music, which is also in the reissues bin at the record store. Andre plays it and realizes Tandy and Ty are in there with him as well. She throws a light dagger, but they can't hurt him in Leah's mind. Andre wants an audience big enough that he can draw enough of their despair so he can hit a blue note, which separates man from God. They've only been dealing with their powers for eight months, unlike Andre, who's been at it for eight years. It's time to cash in and have others share his burden. They leave and tell Mayhem the whole city is going to end up like Leah if they don't find him. 85 months ago, Andre and Leah welcome a woman to the abuse support center. He fills the record bins with her pain and the pain of others. Now, Ty learns of the meeting spot from Solomon. Mayhem wants to go, but Ty teleports out since the last time they met, she killed everyone in the room. As gang members wait outside in a car, gunfire goes off. They find bodies and Ty finds them. Mayhem tells Tandy to kill Leah so that they can go. Ty gets a gang leader's attention. Tandy tells Mayhem they can't kill Leah. Ty teleports to a roof and throws a gang member off. Tandy and Mayhem tangle. Ty tells the gang leaders no more selling to human traffickers. Mayhem tells Tandy whatever Leah does is on her. 
Tandy wheels Leah into a hospital when Ty teleports in to say one of the gang members heard Andre talking about returning to his old stomping grounds, Club Delight. Ty teleports them to a club. Inside the club, Tandy thinks the gang leader played Ty. Andre plays his trumpet and the vivet begins to illuminate. They find a plaque that explains the club burned down and this isn't the original location. Ty teleports them and they hear the trumpet as an audience has gathered. Michaela is there. So is Tandy's mom. Ty gets Tandy to throw a light dagger at him, which he teleports into Andre. And suddenly the audience is gone. Inside the record store, Andre has unlocked the door. Tandy and Ty hear music, but can't pinpoint the source. Pete, let's talk about some dark figures in this episode. Let's start with Andre. And as a quick anecdote, in the last two weeks, I saw actor Brooklyn McClynn, uh, the actor who plays Andre, in a commercial for something. And whatever it was, he was meant to be kind of, you know, the hero who uses that shave gel or drives that car or whatever. And it was like, oh, no, that's the evil Andre. So, Pete, I suppose a testament to Brooklyn McClynn's acting ability that when I see him in other things, I think of Andre. Yeah. And to see him here enact his dastardly plan, play his trumpet, presumably nail that blue note and make people like Michaela and Ty's mother disappear and have music play all over uh, New Orleans. What comes next? Time certainly will tell. I thought that this was an episode very heavily focused on Andre, perhaps to my tastes a bit too much. I get it. There's the music, the haunting thing of that. We get his backstory. I don't know that any of it necessarily is mind-blowingly illustrative, but uh, that's a choice. Joe Bukowski and others made Pete. Uh, we do, of course, have, as other dark figures, the assorted gang members told to stop selling their wares to traffickers and being involved in the whole trafficking world. Because that will immediately settle uh, that aspect of the story, right? They'll just stop doing it because they've been threatened. Eh, you know what, Pete? These these new heroes, they got to start somewhere as they make their way through heroing and trying to make a difference in the city that they care for. Pete, let's move to talking about some light theories here. One for you. Are we meant to take andre's search for the blue note at face value or do you think that something something mystic happened in the search there uh that that now has had this rather psychic effect i think it is a larger meaning i couldn't help but escape the checking of icarus when he's talking to his bandmate early on that you know he flew too close to the sun he suffered these migraines trying to hit the blue note before and now with the powers he gained through the Roxxon rig explosion, he's back at it this time attempting to eliminate the migraines once and for all and gain this godlike power. How about the fate of all these people who who you know seem to me in this netherworld of his of his mind, of his lure? Do we have hope for mom? Do we have hope for those that, that were 
kind of so silently assembled facing him. I mean, could the show continue without Tandy's mother? It could. Could she suffer that loss and recover? I'm not so sure having lost the other parent since revealed to have been abusive. Um, you know, Michaela is a background character and then all the other faceless people of New Orleans, Matt, it, it feels like we're back at the terror subplot towards the end of season one. Perhaps, although I do think, I do think that if the show were to discard of Melissa Bowen by the end of the season, which of course is the next episode, I feel like they could get away with it. You know, Luke Skywalker doesn't leave Tatooine if not for the loss of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru here. Tandy, in a story sense, perhaps freed by a potential loss of her mother. Um, I think also, too, what has what has uh, Melissa Bowen's arc been this season? Not much. What has the actress's presence been? Certainly reduced from the first season. So we could be in a position where the character and unfortunately the actress get uh, get let go from the show. Have one for you, Matt. Why would we say 96 months as opposed to the eight years that that really is? I don't know. I found it a bit distracting. I think that if they wanted to show off some sort of really tight chronology okay i mean we've seen the complete opposite in other marvel tv where it's just then and now i don't know that having having that timeline helped indeed if anything it helped ground me in a certain sense of chronology to a point where when we see andre standing on on the side of the the bridge or whatever it was um it was in my mind it was super clear oh man this is the night that the that the uh, oil rig is going to explode. And I was kind of ahead of the story in a way that I don't think they intended. The fact that that explosion rocks him and, you know, was he going to jump or not? Well, he had yet to make that decision, but the the fateful explosion, which has already affected two of the characters and their families, now affects Andre as well because, you know, it, it must be that the Joker is born from the killing of the Wayne parents as well as Batman. You know, okay, if that's what you want to do, it's a well-worn trope, and that certainly is fine. Two halves of the same, or two sides of the same coin, etc. But to telegraph it with this rather labored monthly spelling out, that I could have done without. Ty can use a vivet to track Tandy. He's done it to track Connors, but he can't do it to find Andre. Real reason or just writer's room story baloney? Well, in that we had the Andre slash despair origin story in this episode, but didn't get much hard. Uh, I'll say science behind it. You know, I, I'm thinking of Doctor Strange where we don't get much science, but we get kind of story science in that here is how magic works and here is how the finger thing works, etc. We don't get much of that here. Uh, I guess it is mystical powers or something because he has them after he tries to hit the note, question mark. Uh, so I guess by that same mystical energy, that powers him so too he cannot be tracked by the other mystical powers that appear in the show, uh, at least Tyrone's end. 
Luke Cage, Karen Page, Matt, it's almost as if Netflix did not make them disappear. <laughs> These little connections certainly are nice. It's a nice reminder. Hashtag it's all connected, even at a point where, as I've said before, the production output from Marvel Television, that division of Marvel, uh, is on the wane. And uh, television output for Disney Plus from Marvel Studios, a separate entity entirely, uh, is on the uptick. So, you know, are those reminders nice? Sure. And is Luke Cage someone that that everyone can look up to? Absolutely. And certainly one would imagine young black men, even in New Orleans, would be following the exploits of Luke Cage there in Harlem. Absolutely. Did it also feel a little shoehorned in to say, hey, look, we have this thing. Yes. If only Netflix could be bothered to tell us which of the Fridays in June it will drop, discard, dump, you insert verb, Matt, for the final uh, season of Jessica Jones, one I think we're both looking forward to. Maybe they'll do the cruelest of all, which is to take take a, a good play from the playbook of the Cloverfield uh, movie that was dropped right after the Super Bowl, what, two Super Bowls ago? And maybe it'll be like, you know, watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Well, you'll love Jessica Jones season three on, you know, available now. Surprise, surprise, we dropped it at 8 p.m. Eastern or something like that, which, again, cool play, but part of the meta narrative here is how is Netflix looking to I don't know, kick Marvel on the way out, which is a shame because not all that content content was perfect, but it's provocative and interesting and unique. Same thing with Cloak and Dagger. Uh, are there some questions left by this episode that maybe there shouldn't be, or maybe it is artistic as opposed to a concrete answer? Maybe, but as you have said off Mike Pete, at least this show is trying to take a different perspective with different kinds of characters and and all that and this is you know pete in another age this show would be two opposite kids move into the same dorm room slash apartment in new york city like a whole bunch of other nbc shows it's cloak and dagger a hilarious new comedy you know th this is trying to be different so it gets it gets points there just want to point out all signs pointing to the potential for Friday, June 7th, to be the date when uh, Netflix drops season three of uh, Jessica Jones. That because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is mysteriously off in its once announced as consecutive 13-week run that week. So interesting. I think the only argument against it is we have yet to see a Jessica Jones season three trailer. Well, it isn't part of the handshake agreement with all of this, and we see it whenever we watch uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with regards to Cloak and Dagger, you know, the other show is going to buy ad time on your show. Now, again, maybe Netflix is like, you know what, I have a certain hand gesture I could show you that doesn't translate well over podcasts, but that's okay because Fantastic Geek is PG, but... Uh, we're going to show you this, and we are not going to buy ad time to line your pockets, ABC or Freeform. Um, again, maybe maybe there will be, oh, it's that second Friday because it's the third Friday, and now there can be ad space bought, but 
who knows, Pete? I mean, we have we're up in the air about that, at least when it will drop. We're up in the air about the future of Cloak and Dagger uh, season three. I know we discussed it at the top of the episode. I don't know what the bottom threshold is for Freeform. I know that Cloak and Dagger is not rocketing away from that bottom. So questions abound in, in all sorts of places. Last one from me. Where did Andre's audience disappear to? Perhaps, Pete, they have been uh, consumed into uh, the, the the Dark Force netherworld dimension, which we have been before, that I think it was two episodes ago made pretty clear it's not some some space inside of of Ty. It's it instead is this you know this alternate objective third place. Uh, so maybe they're all there, and we're going to be in you know we're going to be back to the gas station, back to the mall, back to to see Papa Leg Bay, etc. Um, that would make for one fine finale. With that, Pete, let's check the mailbag. First one up here is an email from Elizabeth, who says as follows. This email, subject line, Cloak and Dagger, Evita, Ghost Marriage. Here's what Elizabeth has to say. Okay, I cannot be the only person that is extremely upset to see this vibrant, intelligent, young, successful black woman being told she cannot go after her dream of being a doctor because she has this spiritual requirement to marry into the underworld. And then she's basically emotionally blackmailing into committing into this marriage by her aunt who raised her. And for a boy who does not even put her first. I listened to the Marvel after show with the actors. They seem to be quite supportive of Evita having to make this decision and that it being her responsibility. I am dumbfounded. Evita is an interesting character played by an actress who provides depth to a somewhat two-dimensional character. Can they really be trying to tell us that the best course of action is for her to marry into the underworld and forgo her education and future? Other than that, I have little to complain about. This show is great. This can't seriously be their message. Confused enough to write in? Elizabeth. So your thoughts, Pete, there on uh, Evita's marriage? I think that Elizabeth has hit the nail on the head. Uh, one issue she points out is she listened to this Marvel after show podcast, whatever that is, as if they would get it right. And of course, they're going to back the show that, well, the decision that the character made that our writers came up with is the right one. Um, they have absolutely done Evita dirty and hopefully the character is going to find what would be the most affirming way out of it instead of married to, uh, you know, uh, skeleton face death guy. I'll mention too. And look, if everybody loves everybody because they have a great onset experience, wonderful. And if everybody is chipping into the PR process, which is as old as film and TV, that's fine too. But Pete, for all of these shows that we watch, you know, obviously there's less live tweeting from the actors and whatnot, you know, if you're a Netflix kind of deal. But for all the shows that we watch live, whether it's shows we podcast or shows, you know, I enjoy, we enjoy, whatever, it's a little weird they're live tweeting. Sometimes they all say virtually the same thing within two minutes of each other. Um, Conspiracy, Matt? Well, what? I have no doubt that the person running Joe Pakowski's Twitter is also the person running the writer's account. That, that or Little doubt. I'm not saying definitively, but 
sometimes the wording is near identical Prove but even like it'll, it, it'll just be and let me make up a scene here if there's a scene at the carousel it'll be like the carousel filming at the carousel was so much fun then somebody else will tweet what a fun day filming at the carousel and then somebody <laughs> else will be like here's a picture of us having fun at the carousel great day and it's just like i'm not going so far as to say it's all um you know it's all scripted by pr people but there is something weird going on and you know whether it's that whether it's you know really lockstep with of course you're not going to say that the guy that wrote the episode who hired you for the show did wrong because he's the boss you know say la vie but pete you ready to hear our weekly email from william cornegay absolutely cloak and dagger tackled racism and police corruption during its inaugural season Racial discrimination and abuse of power by people in authority is as old as immigration and civilization. Not even a divine pairing can defeat human nature. This season, the Thai and Tandy tackled sex trafficking, another societal ill nearly as old as time. I'd like to see the show deal with homeless young adults in the third season. I believe these writers have the talent to tackle the issue. Street-level heroes are the perfect characters to address the subject matter. Ty's power allows him to get access to food and other resources anytime he desires. But how would a normal team survive? Do they trade their body for money to buy food? Is a park bench uh, preferable to a crowded homeless shelter? Do they resort to drug dealing, prostitution, stealing, robbery? Unlike Detective Connors or Andre Duchesne, there is no definitive bad guy to defeat. Who is the antagonist? A bad parent, an abusive sibling, mom's over-attentive boyfriend, maybe the teen himself. If one teen gets a home and is reintegrated into society, there are still tens of thousands living on the street. This would not have to be a season-long story. A three-episode arc might work best. Cloak and Dagger has redefined what a comic book superhero show can be. They continue the Marvel formula of subverting comic book adaptation expectations. Ant-Man is a heist film. Captain America Winter uh, Civil War is a spy thriller. Black Panther was a commentary on colonialism. Cloak and Dagger is a crime drama. The duo deal with problems you can't punch to solve, and their bad guy is never truly defeated. Quite a thoughtful there, uh, thoughtful email there, wasn't it, Pete? It's funny as I'm listening to William's email. The note about the street level heroes. I mean, Cloak and Dagger and Jessica Jones are the only ones we have left, and we know where Jessica Jones is going. Um, so they absolutely fulfill a purpose, and I really like the idea of dealing with homelessness. It's not as if that's not an issue in our current world the same way domestic abuse, the same way human trafficking are currently. It's definitely, I, th I think that would be an appropriate direction for a third season to take. Um, I think whatever other criticisms there might be about the show, the fact that it has intentionally been built so grounded into this, this uh, you know, very kind of recognizable and understandable world of, you know, some of these issues, you know, as William had mentioned, whether it was uh, police brutality, racism in the system, things of that sort. Uh, it's it's to the credit of the show that they that they do keep things relatively grounded because it could quickly turn into you know razzle dazzle superpower stuff and that gets old quickly. That's frankly 
part of the reason why I haven't stuck with some of the, you know, some of the the CW DC shows and no disrespect intended, but they just kind of didn't connect to me because it was like, here's another episode where they use powers to solve a problem, largely the end. So we shall see about the third season. With the season finale on the horizon for next week, this entire season-long journey has been made possible by those who go to patreon.com slash fantasticgeek to make sure that we stay afloat. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content. All it's going to take to get you in the door is a dollar a month, Matt, less than the price of a cup of coffee. Indeed, Pete, all sorts of little extra goodies there along the way. First and foremost, the knowledge to know that our bandwidth and storage costs are being helped out by you, making sure that we are continuing to be listener-supported. But of course, Pete, the best treat is to talk to you on Twitter, and that's a freebie. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 10,483 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Instagram, on Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a PH, all one word, like it today. Get on there. Talk to us about Cloak and Dagger. We're going to be releasing a special review of Brightburn. We had the chance to check out over the weekend, tomorrow, Memorial Day. We've got some fresh Star Trek Picard podcast goodness coming to you a little bit later this week. And of course, we'll be getting back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Before you know it, Matt, we'll be on that third and unfortunate final season of Jessica Jones. And then next weekend back talking cloak and dagger episode 210 and uh wrapping up this second season before you know it so always an adventure always great to get together to talk about the mcu and all this other geeky goodness with that pete i will say au revoir to all our listeners and give you the final word we'll cross that bridge whenever that bridge becomes a bridge